0: Welcome to Historical Baptist FC, life and ministry from a historical Baptist perspective. I'm Robert Klotz, senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Talladega, Alabama. And I'm Heath Walton, associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Talladega, Alabama. We're back, kind of, um, continuing with the series that we started for one episode and then had to take a long break. Uh, Let's see. My wife had COVID, and then I hurt my back, and then I had COVID, and my back is still hurt. I was about to say, and your back is still hurt. Um, so I'm sort of propped up in the corner over here, but we're, we're going to make it. This is episode two of the new season, uh, and today we're going to talk about inerrancy. So uh, we talked about um, the inspiration of the scriptures in the last episode. Um, and of course, one thing leads to another, um, pretty systematic theology way of thinking about this is that inerrancy follows quickly on the heels of the inspiration of the scriptures. Because the Bible is God's word and because God cannot err, the scriptures cannot err. Um, So I, I would basically start with that definition, right? Inerrant, inerrancy means that we believe in and affirm that the scriptures do not and cannot err. Anything else you want to add there, just a basic definition? As they are the word of God.
1: Yes. So God cannot err, and therefore his word cannot
0: err. Now, I think that there would be two, uh, maybe two things we've got to cover from there. One or two, three or four, something like that. (coughs) Um, I don't have notes, so we're just sort of going off the cuff. We do have to say um, that in the original manuscripts, there without error. Yes. That there could be translation error, whatever. Oh, there certainly are Al- translation errors. Although we said in the last episode, I believe, that we, we also want to, at, at the same time that we say that, we want to at the same time affirm that God promises to be sovereign over his word, to take care of his word. And so yes. in as much as um, the those who have tr- sought to translate um, the Greek and the Hebrew into um, a- another language into your native English um, they we believe that God is sovereign over that process and in as much as they have sought to be faithful God is sovereign to preserve for us even still uh, though it is in English and not in its original languages even still um, a Bible that is without error yeah um, and I think
1: honestly if and you know just sort of a practical thing. Any translation that has just been overtly errant, you'll notice they, they don't get used much anymore. So like that today's new international version, yeah. that's not used much. Uh, it Recently in the news, a translation was... I think Bible Gateway removed it from their thing mm-hmm. because it was it was errant. Um,
0: yeah, well, and I think you know if you want to know well, can I trust my Bible? Well, the answer the the most the most important theological answer is you should be able to. God is sovereign, uh, and and is you know he protects his word in that in that regard, protects the integrity of his word. Um, and the other thing is you know do do your research. A- ask somebody you trust. Um, if you're in a Christian Bookstore. I don't know how many of those there even are anymore, but if you're in a Christian Bookstore, read... Flip open that that Bible and read the forward. read the articles that will be in there about what their translation process and philosophy was um and and see maybe even see if you recognize any names amongst biblical scholars who contributed to that translation uh These are all sorts of things that are going to be helpful for you in safeguarding and making sure that you have a good copy of God's Word. but the other one again is just talking to somebody you trust, talk to a trusted pastor or friend. Um Who is going to be well versed in in how that process works? I know pardon the pun um, <laughs> i didn 't mean to be punny um, but talk to someone you trust who who knows what that translation process was and can help you walk through what 's a version uh, you should use and we could go into the whole discussion it 's probably not prudent um, <laughs> right now, but the difference between phrase by phrase translations, thought for thought translations, word for word. Um, but those are all good conversations to have to make sure you have a good translation. The other thing, though, that I think is more pre- more pertinent to this conversation is to say that inerrancy also means if you find an error or if something seems to be in error, it is either a translation error or an interpretation error. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, maybe even more often than that, by today's standards, because of the biblical scholarship we've had in translation, it is probably an error of interpretation or understanding. Either I have simply misread, misunderstood, misapplied something, um, or, you know, on through, you know, even even the past several years of scholarship or whatever, somebody somewhere has made an error, and we just don't rightly understand a thing, mm-hmm. um, there, are, there also, then, we have to say, have to be allowances for, um, as we talked about last time, the, the Bible is inspired um, and inerrant. Therefore, God used humans um, as he carried them along by the Holy Spirit to write his word, which means it is not in error when the Bible says the sun rises. We know that the sun doesn't actually technically rise. The Earth revolves and uh, orbits around the sun, and so that's why the sun appears to rise. But the Bible doesn't err when it says, for example, that the sun rises. It's using common human language uh, at that point that will be um, obvious to the readers, uh, and and that sort of thing is not an error um, to to speak of. So mm-hmm. you would you would find the same thing with uh, say if you've got uh, different uh, number estimates you know sometimes there's talk about the numbers here don't agree within the gospels or whatever else again you're talking about different eyewitnesses who are uh, basically making estimates from different points of view and so you know you might have somebody round up or round down or round differently or you know always just the man or whatever i
1: always find it interesting how the arguments against inerrancy are you know supposed discrepancies from the translation. Which, that does not affect the original language whatsoever, but most, uh, a vast, vast, vast majority of those discrepancies are just simple grammatical errors. They, They don't affect... The message being portrayed or anything—it's yeah. just simple grammatic stuff.
0: And there we would get into how inerrancy affects infallibility. That what the yeah. Bible sets forth to do, it accomplishes. Um, mm-hmm. And so, even if you—you know—even if you have this error in your translation, it's not going to change the intention of what the Holy Spirit uh, meant to communicate in in that given passage. Even if there's an error in translation, God is sovereign, and in most cases, unless you're dealing with. Um, wickedness, wicked perversions, like you've got in some uh, some cults, have other versions of scripture. Yeah. Um, looking at you, Jehovah's Witnesses, they have purposefully and wickedly <laughs> twisted an interpretation. It's not an error, um, but other than in cases <laughs> like that, um, even if there is a translation error, it, it's not changing anything of substance uh, with what with, with what the scriptures communicate.
1: So, for those who may not know don't purchase the new world translation. That is the Jehovah's witnesses translation of the Bible. That is very errant. So
0: I mean, just buy an ESV and you'll be fine. Yeah.
1: ESV, you know, I still like King James. I like NASB. Uh, I understand the differences in the translation of those, but I still find them to be both very good, very reliable. So
0: anyway, this isn't the Bible translation episode. No, it's this not an errancy. Um, we said that, you know, defining inerrancy is, is fairly simple. Because the Bible is God's word, and because God cannot and does not err, his, his word does not and cannot err. But I think what becomes more important, not more important, what becomes a little more time-consuming and is also worth saying quickly on the heels of defining inerrancy Is to talk about why inerrancy matters, Mm -hmm. but to introduce that conversation, I think I want to say that um, claiming to believe in inerrancy does not an inerrantist make. Yeah, just saying, "Oh, I believe in inerrancy," and then going on and spewing whatever you're about to spew doesn't make you believe in it. That that doesn't count. That we prove by our obedience to the scriptures by the way we treat the scriptures in our preaching, in our teaching, in its application, in our lives, in the way we order the church. That's how we prove or demonstrate whether or not we actually believe in inerrancy. And, and we promised that we wouldn't get, we didn't promise. We suggested that we wouldn't get too political uh, as far as, you know, denominational politics. And, but I think it is very, very important and worth saying that it, in evangelicalism as a whole, and in Southern Baptist life, in particular, right now you have entire segments of, of people, um, evangelicals and Southern Baptists, who will say, "Well, you can't accuse me of not believing in inerrancy. I believe in inerrancy as much as the next guy." But and then they'll go on with their argument, and their argument is always it, it's self defeating if they were actual if they actually affirmed inerrancy as much as they say they do. Yeah, it's one thing to say, "Oh, I believe in inerrancy." And it's another thing to actually trust that the Bible is God's word; therefore, cannot err; therefore, it's right. Uh, to give one example that we have used before, you can't. I'm going to get myself into big trouble, but you know what? It's it's our podcast, so we'll do what we want. Um, if you want his email, I'll give it to you. To to say <laughs> I'm in, I believe in inerrancy, but I believe there's room for soft complementarianism. Well, then you don't believe in inerrancy. No, you don't. You, you you are taking a a a stance that says well you know, the Bible was good um, for that present time in that regard, but the world has really evolved and our understanding has really changed as culture has evolved. So we need to be more understanding of, of why, you know, women should be allowed to, to preach on Sundays or et cetera, et cetera. And you've got that, not just in evangelicalism as a whole, but in Southern Baptist life in particular right now, you've got guys who say, I believe in inerrancy too, but, and then they'll make these other arguments. The problem is that all those arguments are based on saying that somehow or another, 1 Timothy is in error.
1: Yeah, and so basically what you're getting at here is that your view on inerrancy shapes your view on sufficiency and everything else. Um, Because we have the same thing, and if we do an episode on sufficiency, we'll cover this in greater detail, but I believe in sufficiency, but keeps happening right Mm -hmm. so so we have i believe in sufficiency of scripture for church growth but Mm -hmm. these books tell me something else and and they're experts because they've seen quote unquote what works Uh, and so i'm going to follow those or
0: yeah and i you know the the sufficiency argument is is really uh quite a a hot topic right now too it is it'll be worth doing an episode on in uh, a few weeks but um or months or years, whenever we can, <laughs> but the, I think there's not more gray area with the doctrine of um, of sufficiency. Um, but I think there's a I, I think there's a big enough difference in in how readily people understand what we mean by the doctrine of the sufficiency of scriptures mm-hmm. that it's easier to make a lot of those arguments sometimes. but to me, Inerrancy is so black and white. If the Bible is God's word, then it cannot err because He cannot err. Mm-hmm. Therefore, since the Bible is God's word, it does not err. It cannot err. And so I don't get to say things like, I love Jesus, but I tolerate Paul.
1: Hmm. Because that that's
0: seems very specific. That's God's <laughs> word. He said it. It doesn't err. I don't get to say things like, Well, listen, I I believe in inerrancy, but Paul was just dead wrong. That that doesn't hold water. It doesn't make theological sense. It doesn't make logical sense. Um, That's where we
1: arrive at the issue.
0: You can't make those kinds of arguments. The Bible has not erred. And so your only choice... Yes, there is always room for, have I interpreted this correctly? Have I understood this correctly? Am I making right, faithful application? But if you have answered all those questions rightly, you have understood the text properly, you have applied it properly, and and then you still want to do something contrary to it, in every other instance we call that sin. Yeah. Like we, we wouldn't dare say, well, I believe in inerrancy, but I don't think this is adultery. You wouldn't say that. I mean, maybe I I guess there's always today, be maybe. somebody who's gonna say that and maybe that's a bad example uh, for today. But um I, I don't mean I don't mean February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two, something drastic happened and um, you know, Heath is making some comment about today is a bad day to talk about that. Um that sounds no. really soap opera esque and ominous. But in, in but today's tune in next culture time. <laughs> in today's culture, maybe that's maybe that's not the the best example to give. But I I think it, I think it is still helpful to say in so many other areas, we would never make that kind of argument. You would never allow for that kind of argument. I believe in inerrancy, but um, I, I think that we should do something contrary to what the Bible clearly says. Well, then the other,
1: the other practical side of this is, okay, let's assume that there are errors who then judges, which, scriptures are true which scriptures are not true um yeah what what are what are the parameters what 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 makes it trustworthy Mm -hmm.
0: um uh, and so well yeah because i i think the point you're getting at is once you once you cut away at whether or not you can trust for example biblical church polity as presented in the pastoral epistles yeah if i can't trust that can i trust the gospel yeah, which parts can and can't I believe? Which then, parts are and aren't trustworthy? Well,
1: here's the reality, though: is those people who, even professing to believe in inerrancy, and yet their, you know, the the practical things they do deny inerrancy. Um, they do set themselves up as the judges above the text many times.
0: Well, and and I think that that's just to, a cultural thing. Yeah, that's just I, a, I, yeah. Mm. You have decided that you you get to say what God really meant and what He didn't. Yeah, and that's an awfully dangerous seat to try to put yourself. in. Yeah, it, it reveals a lack of the
1: fear of God, mm-hmm. um, and, and those who don't fear the Lord, I, I believe they're. Well, I'll just say this: if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, mm-hmm. then what's the opposite? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I think that I think that hits on something important too, um, and even though we've talked about this before, I think it bears repeating here um, that. We talk about uh, what Al Mohler calls theological triage in yeah. first second and third tier issues and we might ask the question well is inerrancy a first tier issue to which my response is if it's not, it's awfully close yeah um i I, I don't know that we can quite say that someone who doesn't hold to absolute inerrancy of the scriptures isn't a believer in Jesus but man are you getting close to that being a first tier issue because who are you to say? which parts of the Bible I can and we should and shouldn't believe. Who are you to sit in that seat of judgment over God's word? Well, honestly, Uh, you've set yourself up for failure with that.
1: Um, you know, I've set myself up for failure no, in my argument or no, those who would <laughs> those sit in that seat of say, scoffers. Yeah, who sit in the seat of scoffers have set themselves up for failure. I think I the, read that somewhere one time. Yeah, too. Psalm 1. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, they delighted in the law of the Lord, the ones who who were blessed. The other ones scoffed. Uh, but trying to think of a nice way to put things i'm trying not to be snarky i'm just sort of
0: reveling in the sermon that you have going here um to to use a a good uh west georgia term um that'll preach Uh, because i mean you could you could harp on inerrancy in psalm one and how many people today sit in the seat of scoffers seeking to cast judgment and dispersions on god's word
1: yeah well here's the reality of it is it's Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Mm -hmm. So those people who are listening to those experts, quote unquote, outside Mm -hmm. of the faith who are saying you can't trust your Bible, Mm -hmm. they eventually move from counsel to sitting or or standing in the way of sinners, Mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't mean blocking the road. It means walking along with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then eventually, eventually, quote unquote, deconstruction happens. Mm -hmm. And now we sit in the seat of scoffers. And mock those people who would hold the line of biblical
0: inerrancy, which then goes back to the uh, the discussion we had in the preview for this season, right? Yeah, that you know you're sitting there pointing your finger, saying, "Oh, look at those stupid fundamentalists!" When the people you're pointing at are the people holding the line firmly to the scriptures, and so if you're if you've got that finger pointing, you're awfully close to sitting in the seat of scoffers. You're scoffing at those who are seeking to hold firm to the scriptures, and to me. If I've got if I've got to lean too far in one direction, then I'd way rather lean toward that fundamentalist yeah, direction. Exactly, I agree. Uh, because
1: I know that some guys can be very hard lined in their approach to things, but what they're saying is not wrong. Um some guys friends of ours have been warning about things for years and many people have been just been saying, Oh, look how mean they are or how rude they are. Um, quite frankly, one of them in particular is not being rude. He just doesn't have time to waste on foolishness. <laughs> uh, and so what he is doing is he's being very blunt, being very plain so that there can be no misconstruing of what he's saying. And so he could just, you know, very clearly point out, this is an issue like a prophet warning people. Uh, it's, so, <laughs> sorry, uh, Robert's microphone is now, Hey, tighten it up. Yeah, Hold on. It. You can, it's right here. Sorry. Like... So Robert is walking around with a cane, like a, you know, elderly man. Um, and so he can't lean over. So I had to reach over and, and fix part of his microphone. Um, what in the world was I talking about? I just lost it.
0: Um, you were talking about people not having time to deal with foolishness.
1: Oh, yeah. So they're just speaking very clearly, very plainly, because that's what we need right now. Well, we need someone to speak clearly to us.
0: So I was going to ask this question, but, I mean, we already know the answer. Um, in the 80s, Baptists fought the battle for the Bible, or the battle over inerrancy. And the other line you're going to hear pretty often as it relates to inerrancy is that we already fought and won the battle over inerrancy. <laughs> and now and, and now you've just got a bunch of people who all they know how to do is fight, so they're still fighting. But um, I, I'm i not so sure the battle on inerrancy is over. No, it's I not. I think, in fact, it may have been over for a while. It may have been settled peace of, peaceably, and we may have even moved into a discussion on sufficiency. And sometimes that's how we label the categories. um, Sometimes the categories get labeled, and I'm I'm not in disagreement because I think you've said this before, that the battle used to be on on inerrancy and now the battle is on sufficiency. But as I look around and we see more and more and more of some of the arguments being made and some of the issues of contention in evangelical churches and evangelical circles right now, I think we've come right back full circle to the same battle over inerrancy. Well it has I think, I think a lot of those issues on um can can women be pastors, what do we believe about the atonement, all those things we've we've listed before as major, major issues, fundamentals of the faith, we said. Um those things that are being questioned call, are are questions of is the Bible inerrant? Has is the Bible right or wrong? Has the Bible erred? Um
1: well, I think, so what we've seen developing is that whole idea of the pendulum swinging, right? So it, it swung the fundamentalist way, right, in, in that battle. And now, even from the last time that we podcast about that sort of thing, the pendulum has swung even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've swung from just talking about sufficiency to now we are having to talk about uh, inerrancy and and. If things don't change, one day there will be an argument over the inspiration of the Scripture again, which will also affect the authority of Scripture. I mean, you're just going to see this again, and either
0: the doctrine of inerrancy then is, uh, uh, as you're hinting at, and I it's a wanna, hinge. I don't, don't <laughs> want to disrupt your train of thought, but it is. If we're going to talk about fundamental Christianity, there's nothing more fundamental to Christianity yes. than the the belief in inerrancy that the Bible is God's word and can be trusted. Yeah. Exactly. Even more than that, it must be obeyed.
1: So what we'll end up having is either we will once again have that resurgence of sound faith, sound theology, or you will have the reverse of what took place in the 80s where you will have a group of solid, sound men decide with their churches, it's time for us to go, Um which is not my desire mm-hmm. to see we've already seen a little bit of that and i expect anaheim will tell a lot uh and we may see more of that and it's on these matters because these are fundamental
0: matters right but sometimes you wish you could have these conversations on on i don't even know the best way to put this sometimes you wish you could have these conversations on neutral ground yeah. In terms of, uh, maybe this is a better way to put it, you wish these were peacetime conversations. Yeah. That it was all theoretical. But it doesn't feel like that right now. No, it does not feel theoretical it at all. It feels like, and, and, and you know, it feels like these are things right now that we have to fight for. mm mm-hmm. um, And again, what you're going to, the, the the accusation that is going to be leveled against you and me and guys like us who say things like this is uh, you guys are just crazy fundamentalists or uh, you guys are alarmists. Um, I didn't say the roof's on fire. Yeah, but which
1: it, you said I, in that in one episode a, there was a second part to that where you said I don't think the roof's on fire, but there's some guys in the corner playing with matches and someone needs to stop them. Yeah, like that. That's where we are. Yeah. Uh, although. It seems day by day those matches keep getting closer and closer to the ceiling. Yeah. Um. um so much for avoiding SBC life. I know. Right.
0: Well, this, uh, you know, I think it's a it's a big important issue inerrancy, and and as I said, it's one thing to sit here and just define inerrancy and and talk about the theology of what we mean by inerrancy. It's another thing to apply the doctrine of errancy, inerrancy. Inerrancy to your life and practice and ministry and ministry philosophy and all such things. And that's where things get so important and, and things can get so messy is, is when you either personally face this temptation or when you see people doing this saying, well, I believe in inerrancy, but, and and I feel like we're seeing a lot of that right now. And so Your inerrancy is not defined by your profession of inerrancy. Your inerrancy is defined by the way you treat Holy Scripture. John MacArthur, in in his uh, commentary, I think it's his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, um, is is talking about that Jesus will judge us one day based on how we reacted to and responded to his words. Yeah. to, to, To his word. I mean, the... Um the parable that ends the Sermon on the Mount is of the wise man and the foolish man that built his house on the rock, and Jesus talks about those who hear my words and obey them um and so inerrant is inerrancy that big a deal? Yes, do you believe that the Bible is what God has said, and if so, are you building your life on it out of obedience to it because if not not only are you not an inerrantist you you you're equated with the foolish man, yeah. You're building your life on cultural assumptions and just trying to add Jesus in on the side. And I, you know, again, that may sound like an alarmist thing to say, but I think evangelicalism is filled up with that right now. Yeah, we talked about the we we talk all the time about, you know, you know, you you heard about this in seminary all the time the lamenting of the cultural Christianity the 50s and 60s in the southeastern United States and and oh lord if you would just take that away. But we've got a whole new version of cultural Christianity right now and yeah. it causes the same problems where what you are doing is mixing the gospel with the ways of the culture and where that where you don't even, you can't allow yourself to do that if you believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Not in today's culture. Today's culture is radically opposed mm-hmm. to, um, and, and sinful culture has always been, right, opposed to the truth of God's word. But there are so many obvious ways right now that professing Christians are seeking to, to push cultural norms into um, the Christian faith and Christian practice and then explaining away the Bible. And if you believe in the inerrancy of God's Word, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You can't jettison portions of Scripture that you don't like because they don't fit with the culture very well. And yes, that then, as some are saying, becomes the dividing line between classic evangelicals and fundamentalists. Evangelicals determined to make sure that the good news stays palatable to the culture. The problem is that if you lean too heavy into that right now, you're going to jettison inerrancy and end up jettisoning whole jettisoning whole portions uh, of the council of of scripture, whole portions of God's word to make God's word more palatable to the culture around you. And at the end of the day, as we seek to love God, love one another, and make disciples of all nations, there are yet some things uh, on which you cannot compromise. And whether or not God's word is without error and therefore absolutely true and trustworthy is one of those things on which you cannot compromise or you will lose everything.
1: So, one of the um the analogies I used in a sermon on Sunday is from romans three four where Paul is doing that question and answer thing, and it's like does does someone's faithfulness nullify God's faithfulness, saying you know if if some of the Jews were unfaithful, does that mean that God's word has failed because their interpretation is wrong, mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. Uh, Paul's response was, by no means, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Mm -hmm. And so the analogy that that I used was, imagine that you went to a city with millions of people, and they're voting on whether murder is a sin and should be considered a crime. And you're standing there, and 100% of the millions of votes that came in said, murder is not wrong and therefore should not be considered a crime, Yet God spoke once and said, "Murder is sin; God is true, and everyone else is a liar, mm-hmm. so it's not based upon opinion polls or cultural mandates or you know governmental mandates, whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. The Word of God is the Word of God, and it will remain forever though all flesh is like grass mm-hmm. so
0: well and and isn't that exactly what's happening right now, where inerrancy is coming under us all? it is I mean you you really don't need to here we go. You really don't need to look any farther than I mean you can you can go down to so many cultural issues. You can just walk down the line, but the issue of homosexuality, it doesn't matter if the culture votes that now it's okay. Yeah, that's it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that we we ought to hate those who are in that sin, right? We we seek to free them from the bondage of their will, enslaved to sin, by the power of the message of the gospel, which alone can set them free. Yeah. But what we don't do is start to say, "Well, you know, the maybe, Bible only maybe the Bible got that wrong, or the Bible whispers." The Bible only on this. whispers on uh, this. I wonder. I wonder who you're quoting there.
1: By uh, really, could be could one be of be two. One of two people. <laughs> Uh, whichever we one just shut the mics off whichever one bought it first um just shut
0: the mics off now <laughs> sorry um but again as you said in, to use your analogy it does not matter if the whole culture votes and says that old book of yours is dead wrong this is right mm-hmm. let let every man be a liar
1: yeah and i'll be honest it again it is not my desire to ever uh, part ways with the SBC as I I see it as very helpful. Um, uh, you know, I adore the history of the SBC. I love studying it. I I want to see it work. I want to see it flourish. I want to see it be sound theologically, but even if the whole SBC says it and God doesn't Mm -hmm. let God be true Mm -hmm. and every one of them a liar, you know, (laughs) um, that's, that's unfortunately where we find ourselves today is We're the odd ones because we are saying we believe God's word is true and sufficient and authoritative and we should not act differently from what it says. Mm -hmm. Um, Are we perfect? No, but
0: well, and again, I, you know, this is not a
1: perfectionism thing.
0: The the other thing is. Let let's let's be honest. I don't think that you're going to have a vote in Anaheim for us to vote on whether or not homosexuality is a sin. No, I don't think it's that. not. It's however, not. going to go However, however, the the enemy is rarely that blunt. <laughs> He's awfully good at being conniving yeah. and taking things one little step by one little step, mm-hmm. which is why you compromise on inerrancy. You lose everything. Well, here's my warning. And why your why your view on inerrancy can't be judged by whether or not you say I'm an inerrantist on your Twitter profile. What matters is is that applied in your doctrine, in your theology, in your ministry practice. In you know, um, you don't get to say, "Well, I believe in inerrancy." But then turn around and do this other thing that God's Word clearly says you you ought not be doing. Ministry ought not be done this way. The church ought not be organized this way. This this is sinful. You can't just explain it away. Uh, You know, we've got to... I've got to stop talking or I'm going to get myself in a lot of trouble.
1: Are you really? (laughs) Basically, here's one, just one kind of word of, I guess, warning, maybe, is... For the SBC, if you need a visual of what it looks like when you begin to compromise, look at the group that split off from the SBC in the early 90s. Take a look at where they are now. Take a look at the compromises they've made and understand that we're not that far off from there if we don't hold the line. Um, and it's what you're saying. when when they And what did this begin with? Inerrancy. A rejection of the inerrancy of the word of God. And so, not is,
0: a prophet it or is, anything. It but. is that big a deal because once you reject that, there's no end to how much you then have to reject. Yeah. Once, if you come to the point where you believe that God's word has erred in a single portion, you believe that the view on whether or not women should be pastors is in error or. Whatever other example that seems to be still a, a, a big one for Southern Baptists. Yeah. You may say, "Oh, don't make the slippery slope argument," but I don't have to make the slippery slope argument. You're making. It I can for look. Us. I can look at denominations who've already done slipped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean the the example you're using is that yes, they they only wanted. To, we just differ right here. But you wait 20 years, and now look at how far down that slope some of those denominations have slid. And don't tell me don't make the slippery slope argument because you can watch as mainline denominations and Baptist split-offs and evangelical denominations and giant non-denominational churches within evangelicalism when they slip in one spot, Mm -hmm. they start going down a hill really, really, really fast.
1: Very familiar to what Spurgeon dealt with. You know the the oh, downgrade, mean a downgrade, controversy. The downgrade controversy. Where you
0: downgrade the 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 high view of Scripture, and then everything else starts look to fall.
1: At England now, mm-hmm. look at the church, the Baptist churches in England now. Well, Where are they?
0: Here's the great hope, right? Because what you ought, what we ought to be saying is, look at the Southern Baptist Convention now. Yeah. If some guys hadn't held the line, not some guys. If faithful Southern Baptists from the pews hadn't got loaded down their vans and slept in their cars in Dallas and other cities, when you know to make sure that they held the line, if if godly laypeople hadn't held the line all through the eighties on inerrancy, where would we be? Yeah, and yeah, I I don't think that that's a fight you ever get to get lazy on. I think that's one you always you have to remain. Vigilant on inerrancy. And as much as
1: someone wants to plug their ears whenever someone talks about a slippery slope argument, it doesn't make it any less a reality. Mm-hmm. Well, anything else on inerrancy? No, I, again, I think I better be quiet before I get myself <laughs> in a lot of trouble. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we will be back soon with a another episode. I wouldn't promise soon. Uh, we hope. We'll be back. I hope to be back next week. If but- the Lord tarries we'll we'll be back one day <laughs> goodbye now